You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guider. Guider provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guider.legal and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. It's the Legal Community Podcast. We are joined by Guy Riedmond and Dave Zampano. And today's topic, Aging of America. Gentlemen, good morning. And what are we got talking about today? Yeah. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Dave. Hello. Hello. Aging of America Day. It's a- aging of uh, anyone around the world, really, isn't it? I'm not aging. I'm good. Yeah, I'm a bit. Listen, we, we, I think we look pretty good for uh, for 95 years old each. What do you think? <laughs> We've talked about this before. We both attend a really cool, interesting, enjoyable, geeky type conference every year, don't we? A Funds 360 conference in California. Yeah. And one of the really great things, and one of the things that I, for lots of selfish reasons, but lots of unselfish reasons as well, I'm always interested in is the longevity section. And there is always some really interesting and just cool developments year on year in what scientists are doing to slow down, stop, and even reverse aging. The net result is that over the next few years, I think we know because we've seen some of the evidence, some of the stuff that's been a trial at the moment, we know what's coming around the corner in four, five, ten years' time. And we know that people, the average age is going to increase significantly. And we've seen the average age increase year on year over the last couple of decades. And actually what we're seeing at the moment is that, that the speed of that aging process is, is definitely, people are living longer and longer and the speed of that is increasing. And I think one of the big takeaways I took away from that conference there, you probably remember this line from Peter Diamandis that the first person to live to 150 has already been born. So that's quite a statement. So ultimately what that means is people of our age, mid fifties, that we've probably got a longevity of at least 10 years more than our parents, probably 20 years in, in reality. Let's hope so at least. And our kids, our kids are just, they've been born into such a great age where longevity will be a real thing. And it's 150 plus for those guys. And last year, unlucky for any number of other reasons. And and, and clearly that, that kind of affects lots of things. We're already at 7 billion plus people. People live, are living for longer than there's going to be more and more people on the planet, assuming that the birth rate remains constant. And if it increases, the birth rate increases, then we're, the number of people on the planet is really going to increase. So it's going to affect everybody in one way or another. Things like, you know, just looking at, you know, I was having to think about how it's going to affect us in this short space of time that we've got until we're a hundred fingers crossed. You know, things like state pensions, I think are going to disappear. In the UK, we have a state pension a sort of roundabout, I think £7,000 a year, which, which isn't huge, but it's enough for, to make a difference in people's lives. The governments aren't going to be able to afford that kind of thing moving forward. Well, they're going to try to, they're going to try to by taking from the wealthy and giving it to the unwealthy, but we know that model doesn't work. So we'll, it'll be an interesting time ahead. But. And people are, and, and people are going to be healthier longer. That's the net result of living living longer, Ryan. They're going to have to work into in, in far older age. And people are going to have to get used to the idea that the, the standard retirement age is going to go up and up all the time. And 
I think the other big thing is that, and then you come in and give me your thoughts, but I think people are going to have to take full responsibility for their own retirement and what they want that to be. Whereas at the moment, there is a cushion provided by governments in, in, in a lot of the developed world that will disappear and people will have to take full responsibility for their own retirement planning. And, and that's, gonna, that's not going to be easy for a lot of people. The conversation about the aging of America, what is the impact, right? This is Legal Community Podcasting. What does it mean to the legal community? What does it mean to all of us? And I, I think back to the Abundance 360, and yeah, you and I were both there. I've been going there since 2014. And here's what's different for some attorneys that might be listening to us or even not attorneys. You called it a bunch of geeks. I would say, I think of geeks, when I think of geeks, I think of a bunch of computer people get together and get excited. <laughs> that is definitely part of the conference. But the other part of the conference it, there's it, when, we, when we first went, there was like 50 to 75 people. Now there's 250 and they're entrepreneurs from all over the world. And I'm going to pause and highlight the word entrepreneurs, because if you understand the entrepreneurs, the people in this room, I'm sitting at lunch, I think at the 216 conference, and I'm talking to a billionaire and I don't even know. It. And it's, it's just one of those things you sit there and go, wow, they're normal. But here's the difference. They're not normal. None of the people at that conference are normal. And what I mean by that is they don't accept the people at their conference that we attend. When you're around 250 entrepreneurs, they don't accept what you hear. And, and, and when an entrepreneur says you're going to live to 150, I believe it a lot more than if a government employee is telling me you're going to live to 150. Let me, and I use the analogy of rockets. Whoever thought, look at Musk and Bezos, right? Two entrepreneurs said, we're going to Mars. We're going to the moon. We're they are doing it. They, these are real people. And so when I think about the longevity conversation, I think about all of the research they show us in these conferences. I remember coming home and my family members, my extended family and my wife and my kids looked at me like I had three heads when I said, we're going to live in 150. And they said, are you out of your mind? I said, no, you don't understand. Right now, and this was five years ago, they're manufacturing organs out of DNA. They're growing them in petri dishes and in laboratories. They're growing and they're already using them in mice and, and rats now. And so, you know, this is not the future. This, when you look at everything in our life today and you compare it to Star Trek, Star Trek was a series of the 60s, a phaser, right? What's a phaser? What's a communicator? Communicators are a cell phone. Phasers stun death, right? All the things came true. And it was and the Jetsons. Flying cars, we have them already. And so the idea, I, I do not, I stand real tall when I'm in a room with 250 entrepreneurs saying things rather than just ordinary folks talking at a coffee shop. And that's what's really, I want to be disruptive to anyone listening. But this isn't a conversation about the aging of America or the aging of the world. It's really a much bigger conversation about what's in store for us as humans, as a race. And then how does that apply to the law and other factors? So we talk about Peter Diamantis. We can never talk about Peter Diamantis without talking about Dan Sullivan. So Dan Sullivan has a concept called the life extender. And Dan believes he's going to live to 156. And he puts us through this exercise and say, and there's a real powerful story to Dan around this. It's a powerful concept. The life extender says, listen, in the old days, we set retirement at 65 in America because the average age where someone died was 67. And, and so you got to really, you can't forget, like everybody says, we're changing the rules. When the rules were made, people died at 67 to 70. And 
retired at full retirement at 65. They had to carry you for five years. Now it's become, and I'm going to use that terrible word, an entitlement. Now we're entitled to it. I'd like to think of it differently. I'd like to think we should be at least entitled to get out of the system what we put in. But again, that's a much more difficult conversation. But let's talk about what the aging of America really does. I, I tell my kids and my wife, I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm living to 135. So I'm fully expecting to live to 135. And I'm not living to 135 decrepit and nursing home folks. I'm living to 135 being an active, productive part of society. And I think what's going to change in society is there will no longer be retirement. And I think I could prove that's already happening. If you look at the work sector, once someone, I, I find in my world, people are starting to retire much younger than 65, but they're not retiring. What they're doing is they're choosing what they want to do, which really goes to another concept we learned a strategic coach about unique ability. When somebody has been working in an industry for 30 years, right? Let's say they start in their 20s, now they're in their 50s. They achieve what by default is wisdom. We get some element of wisdom. We can't lose that in society. And I think what's happening, and I think technology guy, you would, I think you would assert as well, is really enabling us. And then I think the pandemic is enabling us to get and take advantage of those people with wisdom. And those people with wisdom could continue to engage in society in a meaningful way without it being a quote unquote full-time job. And technology plus the world, how it's changing, I think is really setting a course where there will no longer be a thing called retirement. There'll be a thing called a shift where we'll be choosing how we contribute to society. We'll all need to contribute to society. And I'll tell you why. Japan's the example. So Japan are about 25 to 30 years ahead of the U.S. in their aging. And what Japan is already starting to see is that there's not enough young people to take care of the old people. Because it was presumed the as population age, they were going to die. We're not dying, folks. Just look around. My dad is 95 years old. He still drives, although he doesn't. Kenny has a license. He chooses not to. He is, saw his one nephew last week. Uh, he hasn't seen him in 25 years and said to him, hey, Sal, how are you? How's the kids? How's Aaron? Starts naming all of his kids. This is a guy, 95 years old, sharp as a tack and, and operationally, functioning, integrated, fully producing. And we know a lot of people, me being an estate play attorney, I've worked with dozens of 90 plus. It used to be octogenarian. Octogenarians now are normal. They're ordinary. 85. I, I was talking to a guy. I was down in Naples on a, at a event. And there was this guy I'm talking to. He looked at me about 65, 70. He was telling me he walks to tennis and does all these things. 91 years old. That's what we are now. And so when we think about it, we have different challenges ahead. Millennials now outnumber boomers. The challenge is there's not enough of them to, to support the security system, social security system. So we know anyone who stopped through it, I'm not talking about, and I don't mean that any discredit, but talking to government people, they'd say, oh, we're going to fix all that. It's easy. We're just going to fix it. But anyone that's got an economics degree or understands accounting understands it's not going to be fixed by government. The government cannot fix what's happening. There is a they said 2021, and it's, it, the story's not told yet, 2021 might be the first year in history, you ready for this, where we had less people born than died, which means 
are, uh, or our, our populations effectively now have more people at the top end than the bottom. So when you think about less people died than were born, that demographic in itself tells you what's happening in Japan and what's actually happening in America now. There's not enough workers to support the system that was supposed to fund people who retired at 65 and died by seven. And so now that's going to have to be dealt with in the big picture. What does that mean for us? Again, I think if we all take the life extender experience of Dan Sullivan and say, all right, listen, what happens in our mindset? If we think we're retiring at 65, okay, okay, what are you retiring to? And why people get dementia, there's all kinds of studies. When people lose their future, then their world starts to get really small. So the ability to project our future, and I, I find this season where young entrepreneurs, what keeps us vibrant is seeing a new future. People in your workplace who just do work every day and they don't see a future, they're the less productive people on your team. And so when you think about taking away someone's future, what's the perfect example of taking away a future by then retiring? When you retire, what you're basically saying is, I'm no longer going to be productive. I'm going to retire and do nothing, or I'm going to do what I want. That gets old six months in. Every entrepreneur or even clients that I've talked to the retired say, wow, okay, I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. And that's really what it's about, figuring out what's next for our future. And I think that's exciting. And I think that's the shift that's going to happen, not to be afraid of this aging, but to get excited about it and say, okay, what, what's ahead for me as a 55-year-old, 65-year-old retiring from how I've always done things, now how will I do things going forward? So I, I, it's a mindset, yeah. It's a mindset shift, Dave, isn't it? And and yeah. the, the whole world's going to have to go through. It. And that isn't easy for some people, you know. Uh, I think typically entrepreneurs are actually pretty good at developing mindsets and taking a view and and, and changing them where they things happening and they've got to react to it. So they're quite adept at this, being able to change quite quickly. And some people really struggle with change, but the reality is there's going to be a huge amount of change in the next 10 to 20 years. And some people are going to deal with that better than others. I think one of the big changes personally, and this is just my take on the situation of talking about retirement and getting old and so on, is that people are clearly going to live longer. Uh, and our kids are going to live probably 120, 130, maybe even 150, some of them, because medicine's improving and lifestyles are changing. And as you've said, you can, you'd be able to grow a new heart in a petri dish in the not too distant future. They can do it with pig's ears and stuff like that already. And that kind of thing is happening. So there's a huge amount of change. But I think the, the way I see it is that, and, and I, this is already happening, and we've touched on this uh, actually when we were talking about the, the book that we're writing at the moment, is that people will work less hours, but they'll work for, well, on an ongoing basis. And you'll work more hours when you're younger and you've got more energy. People will get to 80, 90, and it'll be like people are at 50 now, and you and I've still got plenty of energy. And we're running numerous businesses and, and really trying to change the world in our own small way. And I think that kind of thing is going to be normal into your 80s, into your 90s in the not too distant future. Uh, but I think probably there'll be a better work-life balance. And I think we've seen a shift in that already with COVID. I mean, I'm going to use COVID for, for another example of something in a second. And COVID has now made people reevaluate. People are undoubtedly doing less traveling. Corporate travel will be reduced almost for the sake of it, where people felt the need that they had to go and jump on a plane to go to a meeting. That isn't the case anymore. Technology has been proven that it, it, it 
There's no need to do that as, as often as we were doing before. And the commute, the commute, I, for 20 years, Dave, 20 years, I traveled to a place called Stockport from where I'm based in the south of Manchester. And I was traveling for an hour and to an hour and a half each way every day for 20 years. And the traffic over that period was getting worse and worse. And it was started at probably a 50 minute commute and ended up at, on average, maybe an hour and a quarter commute over that short time period because more and more people were traveling. Now I can tell you that when I do that journey, the commute is never uh, an hour and a quarter. It's always around about 45 minutes because there's less traffic out there and people are traveling less and they're, they're getting their work-life balance better. And I think that'll be one of the big pluses as we're moving forward. People are going to be able to enjoy the life, enjoy the family a little bit more and still contributes to society and have that, you mentioned it, and I think this is really important, have that focus in life, have that vision that, that they've still got stuff to achieve into their 80s, 90s and 100. And you mentioned Dan Sullivan, great example, the guy is, I think, 75. And as, so you know, yeah, and he, every day he burns a thousand calories before breakfast in the gym. And then he has a pre-workshop meeting for an hour. Then after an eight-hour workshop, he then has a, a wrap-up for an hour. Uh, and then he goes back home and, and has his tea and, and, and you do what you normally do of an evening. Uh, the guy's 75. Now, listen, there's not many 75-year-olds that do that now, but I think in the future there'll be more and more. So really exciting. That's the entrepreneur in him. He's giving greeting by example. And I think to kind of wrap this concept up, I can't believe how quick the 20 minutes has gone because it's a quick, it's exciting. It's new. It's adventurous. We don't know the outcome. So whenever we're future oriented, things go much quicker. And I think it's all mindset. The mindset is, listen, I imagine my father in 95, he was around for the invention of the radio, right? He was around a man. The wireless. Yeah. You know, yeah, now. But you think differently. Like we, we're thinking in the mindset of someone who's had the past that brought us to where we are. But think about our parents. What was their past? How much did the world change since our parents were our age, right? Holy mackerel. You know, our parents were our age. So I, I think that's the biggest excitement is it's not painful. It's not bad. It's just about embracing it and uh, discovering how we fit in it and you know, all the rest will work itself out as it always ends. Yeah, my, my final thought very quickly is that how good were the filmmakers 30 years ago? These sci-fi films, they're all coming true. And some of them have come true and the rest of them are coming true. And even more recent films like Minority Report and, and that kind of stuff, it's all coming true. The, the filmmakers 30 years ago were the futurists for today, I think. But scare me, the movies of today, Terminator and all these computer. Oh, no, we don't want that one to come true. Why? That's why I say, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> it be. Right? So, Let's just pick the good ones rather than the, yeah, the ones that destroy the earth. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Enjoyed that conversation. Thanks, Dave. Thanks to you too, guys. Absolutely. What a great conversation. And thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. On to episode 14. Please join us. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.